questo e il bacio di Tosca. Welcome back to Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant, you can call him Chip, and today we are talking about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Golden Wind, episodes 24 through 26. Yeah, and it's... Okay. It's time for the episode... <laughs> it's okay. I get... I mean, it's okay. <laughs> it's time for the episode that when I was watching the show for the first time, I, I wanted this to happen, like... Mm-hmm. 20 episodes earlier, not 20, <laughs> 10 episodes earlier in the show. It finally mm-hmm. happens, these, these next two episodes. They get on a plane. You just love plane yep. travel so much. I do. The romance of it. Ah. Oh. I mean, look, if this show wants to be uh, uh, essentially a, a sequel or homage to Star's Crusaders, everyone's got to get into every method of transportation possible and have it get fucked up. They are doing a pretty, like, bang-up job of doing that, even while staying within one nation. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the, the, this first episode, episode 24, Notorious B.I.G., or... Like, if you look up the episode, it has, like, the, the transliteration mm. of the Japanese title, and Notoriasu Bigu is a <laughs> lot of fun. Is a lot of fun to see in print. Yep. Uh, but we start off right where we left off with uh, everyone speeding away... On a boat, mm-hmm. and Bruno going, we just beat up those two guys. Therefore, there are no more assassins in Venice. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they're, they're riding their little uh, motorboat to Marco Polo Airport. Marco Polo Airport is on the mainland. It is due north of where we last saw action. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it is the fourth busiest airport in Italy, despite almost exclusively serving Venice's tourists. Huh, okay. There's just that many people coming to see Venice, and of yeah. course there is a sunglass hut inside. <laughs> uh, they're just going to take a plane, mm-hmm, basically. Mm-hmm. They're taking a they're plane. They're going to plane jack someone, is what they're yeah. going to do. <laughs> <laughs> and they're they're going to take this plane to the island of Sardinia. Bruno just kind of turns into an airline pilot and just details like how fast and how high the plane will be going. <laughs> And 800 kilometers an hour, again, less than the average speed of a private jet. Yeah. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to take our time, actually. But that is, of course, too fast for, for any stained to chase them, unless we just make one up that could. But who knows? <laughs> who knows? Uh, I, I like that uh, we have some stand abilities in play here for non-combat purposes, of course. Yeah. Uh, little Bomber is eyes in the sky, uh, uh, making sure that they aren't being approached by, I don't know, airport security as they steal <laughs> a plane. <laughs> it's so easy to do. Giorno uh, demonstrates another use of uh, uh, gold experience here. He touches the plane in order to see if anything's alive. Mm-hmm. because like if there's anything in there he couldn't turn into a living thing then it must already be a living thing and so he can use gold experience as like a star trek ass scan for life signs <laughs> yeah you know they're just going to take this plane but it's, no one knows how to fly a plane mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we got abakio in the pilot seat using moody jet moody blues to rewind and turn into a pilot. Yes, a faceless flew- pilot for once. I, yeah. I don't know why he doesn't have a face. Uh, yeah, turning into a pilot who flew the plane to Sardinia in the past. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Abaka is just like observing how this, how his stand is like, what switches he's flipping and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that he, this power allows his stand to be a, a pilot. 
It's very good. It's very good. Uh, also, Bruno is estimating a two-hour flight. This should take about 85 minutes, uh, judging by... <laughs> like actual plane schedules. What are you doing up there? Are you just going in circles like on the boat that was also another boat? Uh, just the most leisurely flight possible. When asked, you know, how the hell he's supposed to know how to fly them to Sardinia, uh, Abacchio notes the uh, uh, presence of an INS system that, that will help them direct the plane. So I looked up what the hell an INS system is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It stands for Inertial Navigation System. Basically, you, you have a bunch of precise like gyroscopes and accelerometers in a box. Mm -hmm. So it knows what the plane is doing, mm -hmm. like uh, uh, how much it is accelerating for how long and, and uh, how much it is tilting in any one direction for how long. And so it uses that information to compute in its little computer brain. Uh, uh, well, like if I'm starting from this particular point and I accelerate at this rate for, for this amount of time, etc., cetera, uh, mm -hmm. building a little map inside to tell you where you are now after all those inputs. Mm, okay. I guess you could, in theory, it would know like, okay, I'm supposed to follow steps A, B, and C to get to, uh, uh, you know, the airport in Sardinia. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. Also, this was initially developed for use in ballistic missiles. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Because it works totally internally. There is no external input mm. after telling it where on earth it is right this second. Gotcha. So it's it's unhackable, and you don't have to, like, talk to it if, say, <laughs> the base that's talking to it has been hit by a ballistic missile. This is some real Cold War-ass shit. Oh, yeah. Uh, Abakio also says he's looking for that because he saw it, it, it in a movie once. Yeah, he knows nothing of what I've just said. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. none of it. Yep. Just heard about it in a movie. Gotta look for it. Now it is Trish's turn to notice that Bruno has taken a severe wound that should be bleeding and should be painful and might even be debilitating, but he seems fine. Yeah, he's got a huge gash in like his calf that looks like it's basically going to the bone. <laughs> and he's cool. He's all right. <laughs> Meanwhile, the world's d most awful looking man is approaching. <laughs> We need to talk yeah, about yeah. how this guy looks. Aerosmith has picked up on on a, a man approaching. Can you call him a man? Who could say? I don't what know is what this he thing? is. What is this rectangular freak creature? Okay. There's no curves on this man. No. Yeah, this guy is very rectangular. His face, he has no neck. He has no neck. He has no hips or waist. Like Yeah. This his gut goes all the way down to the, the inseam of his crotchless pants. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so there's no neck. This guy's face is so flat. Mm -hmm. It's like he went to a Gallagher thing and jumped in front of the watermelon. And like, <laughs> and his face ended up this way. Also, he has no ears. He simply just has holes on the side of his head. He's wearing pauldrons? Why not? <laughs> yep. I have so many questions about this man. I'll be asking questions about this man for the next two episodes. Oh, man. It's hard to describe him. You just gotta kind of look up this guy. I'm not sure if anyone knows his name by the yeah. end of this. No. But it is Carne. This is Mr. Meat. Yep. <laughs> 
Yep. And he just approaches. And uh, uh, Mista is, like, standing guard. That's his job because he's the guy with a gun and he's Mm -hmm. shouting out warnings. And the dude keeps walking and he gets a second warning and he keeps approaching. So he gets shot a lot. Yeah. (laughs) He even gets a warning shot to the leg before he is shot dead. Yeah. And, like, as this dude gets shot in the leg and falls, you know, on one knee, his stand briefly pops out and everyone's like, oh, fuck, he's got a stand, but it's too late. This guy gets riddled with bullets, and he's dead. He's dead. He says no words, but we yeah. still got to talk about his his actor now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Carne's Japanese voice uh, played Uso from Victory Gundam, the deadliest Gundam protagonist, most confirmed <laughs> kills in the whole franchise. Okay. But his voice actor also uh, dubs Stan in South Park and McLovin. <laughs> Great. Now, now his English voice, you might recognize, you probably won't, because he just sort of, like, grunts a bit. But mm-hmm. we heard him last week as Tiziano. He's, he, he did two in a row. Oh, shit. I mean, this one was easy to do. <laughs> like, But there is something unusual uh, uh, here, because, of course, in every case up to this point, the same uh, uh, voice talent is both the, the stand user and... And the stand. That yeah. is not the case in Carne's English voice. Yeah. Because while his Japanese voice does both, as expected, Carne's stand, who we will talk about a lot later once it, you know, starts doing shit, mm-hmm. but it's, I don't know, animalistic noises <laughs> yeah. are performed by the narrator, the same actor who yeah. is the narrator and several dozen other incidental characters yep. David across this franchise. Yep. <laughs> so yeah the rectangular man's just dead mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. dead dead Giorno checks to see that he's dead while thinking that this is all a little too easy and Mist is like hey don't rain on my parade I sh- yeah. you should be congratulating me I did a great job killing this man <laughs> we didn't even have to do a real fight and Giorno's like yeah that's that's kind of the problem if I remember correctly Misa just says uh, don't be jealous of my skills it's ju- uh, just a fact that he sucks and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he does suck. This guy sucks. I yeah. do not like to look at him. <laughs> so yeah, Giorno's confirmed that this guy is mega dead with his stand. And so they just get on the plane and just leave his body there for mm-hmm, other people mm-hmm. to find. They, they leave him behind on the tarmac in their stolen plane uh, with Lil Bomber flying outside as like their, their escort wingman, which is <laughs> yeah. fun. I love yeah. that. Yeah. And uh, uh, like geography note, Venice is in its proper place and orientation out the window. I oh, appreciate nice. this. Very nice. And Trish is sitting down, looking out the window, you know, as Venice trails off. Mm-hmm. Everyone's kind of a little spread out. No one really wants to sit next to each other. But yeah, Trish is starting to think about her dad slash their boss. Mm-hmm. Asking Bruno, like, do you think he expects me to go to Sardinia? you know, to, to try and find his identity. And that's uh, when Bruno says, yeah, probably, which is why we're trying to go fast. Uh, <laughs> he he has like a theory about the sort of man the boss was all those years ago. About yeah. he, he was just a young guy looking for love. He, he wasn't the boss as we know him now. Mm-hmm. And this is illustrated in a very stylized 
animation of like figures essentially made out of uh, a white strokes on a blue background that like combine and flow into each other mm-hmm. to make all these different like visual aids to and like is there a is there a word for this sort of thing that like uh, uh when we're talking about the past we get a very stylized unique sort mm. of animation because it happens all the time yeah like, this is in fucking is. kung fu panda 2 for for crying out loud like come on <laughs> yeah the the visual style here looks a lot like the visuals that are used in mob psycho every once in a while it's also kind of looks like the the ending op of mob psycho where it's all like mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. like watercolor i think it might be watercolor i don't know either way it reminds me of that but this this type of thing happens a lot huh also at the end like when the the like little silhouettes here of trish's mother and the boss like mixed together they eventually warp into like a really close-up uh image of king crimson's face mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's fun but all this chatter lodges another detail out of the the deep nearly forgotten memories of trisha's mind and uh, it turns out her parents met at cala de volpe on the emerald coast that is a real resort in a mm-hmm. real place in, mm-hmm. in northeast sardinia it's gonna run you about 450 euro per night okay uh in their their most basic room uh, however uh they do offer flyboarding so that's cool huh uh flyboarding is that thing where like you stand on a board that is connected oh, by jets. a hose to the ocean and like it yeah shoots you up 15 feet in the air yeah i'd be too scared to do that i don't know <laughs> <laughs> like i know you'd probably be fine but ugh. What's the worst that can happen? You fall into the water? Yeah, yeah. So uh, she she remembers her mother also saying that uh, her father was, like, actually Sardinian. Like, he had a Sardinian accent. Yeah. Yeah, Trish has been wanting to find out more about her dad for, like, a long time. But she, like, a lot of these memories are only popping up now. Almost like being in proximity to Sardinia is allowing them to actually, like, come back to the surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while she and Bruno are talking about that, Giorno, who's sitting like all the way up in the front, hears a little scritchy, scratchy sound coming from like this counter that's in front of him. Mm-hmm. And he's immediately like a little freaked out and very concerned because at this point, anything happening should be warning that a stand is nearby. <laughs> like literally <laughs> yeah. anything. But Mista still thinks Giorno's just being a little paranoid. Just cool it. I shot that guy so many times. Yeah. And like this little counter has this, it's got this handle you can grab onto on the side so you can open it up. And even though Mista's like doubting Giorno, he's like, okay, fine. I'll get my gun out. You know, I'll point it at the thing. You open it up. And Giorno opens it up and it's a little fridge. It's got ice cubes in it. And also... Uh-huh. Uh, finger bones with some of the flesh still stuck to it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it is originally mistaken for, like, scraps of chicken for some reason. (laughs) There's fingernails on it, dude! And then someone stammers out, that's not chicken at all! (laughs) Those are fingers And Mista even recognizes them as the troll man's fingers? Somehow. Mm -hmm. I don't know. (laughs) And yeah, there, there are three fingers currently in there. And when Mista notices their fingers and goes like, oh, fucking puke. And he looks over at everyone else, goes like, hey, there's fingers in here. And he looks back. Now there's four fingers in there. 
So everybody but Abakio, who's, of course, trying to fly the plane, co-pilot his stand. Yep. Everyone else is arranged around this little mini freezer. Uh, Like, we see the view from inside with all of their their heads just poking around at different angles. It's very cute. Mm -hmm. And so Giorno gives the, the open door the tiniest little gold experience touch. To, to like make bean sprouts uh, yeah. uh, sprout all over, including out of the fingers, which again proves they're dead because he can't make life out of living things. These are yeah. dead fingers. Yeah. And so everyone's freaked out and not quite mm-hmm. sure what to make of it. Mista is so freaked out, he <laughs> says, quote, Why are these stupid frickin' fingers on this stupid frickin' plane? <laughs> yeah. This dub came out 14 years after Snakes on a Plane and might be its greatest, like, I don't know, cultural resonance. Yeah. <laughs> Have we learned nothing from the mistakes of the past? Yeah. Morbius is trying to do the same thing and it ain't. It's not going to work. It stops being fun when the movie actually comes out. That's, yeah. when, it di- that's when it dies. It's yep. done. Yeah. And it's already been out. <laughs> They're just putting it out again. It ain't going to work. Yeah, Bruno goes, okay, well, fuck this fridge. And he just punches it out of the plane, like, through his little zipper. Yeah, uh, decompression be damned. He just wants this gone. And it's yep. very uh, anticlimactic. Like, by yes. the time anyone has had time to, like, grab hold of something, it's already gone. There's no big whoosh. Like, it happens between frames. It's so <laughs> yeah. fast. yeah. So everyone's relieved. The The creepy f- finger fridge is gone. Everyone goes back to, to sitting down. Giorno goes back to his seat and he, you know, looks out the window as the, the fridge keeps falling further and further down. And he notices there's some like little bit of graffiti written on the bottom of the window. And it says, I want to eat a margarita pizza. And he's like, Me hell too, yeah, man. bro. Me yeah, too, man. man. Yeah. <laughs> So so he, he leans back and, and looks up with his head, you know, on the headrest, and he notices that the graffiti is swearing at him and telling him to trim his nose hair. Yeah. Uh, there's even more graffiti. So this whole scene is going yeah. to have lots and lots of handwritten Italian that Giorno is reading. In fact, mm-hmm. more than the on-screen subtitles can can uh, keep track of. So that's where I come in. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> There's one message that's sort of chopped off. You just see the phrase gallows misery, which Uh is, I don't know what's going on there, but it's intriguing. Hmm. Uh, Something about being on an island with a girl. Uh, We're being eaten by corpses. Help. Uh, (laughs) This plane is a left for dead level. There is so much written on here. Uh, That poor guy was thrown out like a rag. He left cursing. His hate is his source of power. And and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, but you, mm-hmm. you're part of the gamer generation now. This has to be an audio log. Why yeah. are you making us read? Uh, uh, quote, it's a power that's made after death, a power he himself had never seen before. The last victim of something that happened on this plane is getting very poetic here. Mm-hmm. Quote, he's already dead. We cannot kill him. The name of the enemy stand is Notorious B.I.G. <laughs> Yeah. So there were stand users on this plane? Hmm. Did, did we just pass, like, Rohan, like a ship in the night for another one of his, <laughs> his shorts? Uh, imagine. Imagine. Uh, quote, I can't take it anymore. Before I die, I want to eat pizza from Napoli one last time. Mm-hmm. And it, it just puts that first note in a brand new context. It, it all comes for a circle. This is good. I like mm-hmm. it. That's good stuff. 
So then the camera finally pulls out to show Jorno sitting and just how tiny all that writing is. It's really little. It's really little. Uh, but this whole thing, this this running like free association stream of thought commentary on events that did not happen mm-hmm. as such is signed Giorno Giovanna. Yes. And he's like, who the fuck wrote this? And then he looks at his right hand, like his and his wrist, and there's just like a pen there, kind of attached to his wrist that's wiggling around rapidly. Uh, and he's like, I wrote this? <laughs> Pulls his <laughs> sleeve down, and there's another hand growing off of his wrist made out of mm-hmm. disgusting meat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got he got a meat hand growing out of his skin hand. You don't want that. Mm-hmm. So what are you what are you gonna do in a time like this? Well, we all know the score. So Gold Experience comes out with orders to to karate chop his own goddamn hand off. Yep. But it can't because its karate chopping hand is melting away. It is if it is also being eaten by this stand. Yep. Uh, and that leads us to our mid up mid episode title card, which is uh, a silhouette of Notorious B.I.G., mm-hmm, mm-hmm. localized to Notorious Chase. Which I makes sense for what it does. Yeah. It, it's sort of a little bomber style. Like, we're, we're going yeah. to say what this thing does. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the stats for Notorious B.I.G. are ridiculous. One stat is E, three are infinite, and the other two are <laughs> A. <laughs> Maybe the best stand stats ever sh- seen in the show so far. So back in the episode proper, everyone else has noticed that Giorno is under attack, and Mista uh, uh, comes out with an assist on the hand surgery by chopping his arm off through bullets. Just shoot right through it enough times, the whole thing falls off in a flesh lump. Yeah. I just love that this is a show where someone can shoot your your arm off, like, almost at the elbow, and the person Mm -hmm. whose arm gets shut off goes, thanks. (laughs) Thank you for being a friend. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> uh, while they are gathered around trying to figure out what happened here, how this is clearly the stand of the guy we killed. How can a dead guy have a stand? Yeah. Uh, and Giorno says, quote, forget everything you knew about stands. Well, joke's on you. I never knew anything. <laughs> I never claimed to know shit. I know the score. Fuck you. Yep. You just got to roll with it, everybody. <laughs> So they're trying to figure out what what is the deal with this thing? How does it work? What do we do next? Did did we win? And then Mista opens up like a fucking blood fountain to say, "No, no, we didn't win. Uh, we are not winning yet." <laughs> yep the the pile of meat that's just like laying on the floor motionless. Uh, the bullets shot into it. The, the the sex pistols are just kind of trapped in the meat goo, and four of the four of them that were shot are just melting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're dead. Which They're melting. is causing Mista these grievous injuries. Yep. And so M- Narancha tries to dash out in front of it to attack, and like the meat immediately zips like a couple inches to its side to be right in front of Narancha, and Jorno thinks that's peculiar. But Narancha's got a plan. Of course, he has the longest range stand of anyone around here. So mm-hmm. he's just going to shoot it, shoot it from far away. And little tendrils of the meat goo reach out to intercept every single bullet, just like snatch them out of the sky as as uh, uh, Aerosmith makes its strafing runs. Mm-hmm. 
people b- before we get too far mm-hmm. people have have wanted to to reach out and make sure we are aware that Aerosmith has a pilot oh that there's a little man in the cockpit I've never noticed that. What? It's much more noticeable in the manga panels okay. that have like really close shots. You can just see a hazy silhouette behind the frosted glass of oh, a man. man. It's it's really uh, tough to catch. It makes you wonder if they even did it for, for the anime. But there's a little guy in there whose name is Mr. Smith. What? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I wish this was shown at all in the anime, actually. Yeah, yeah. I wish someone talked about it. I want to hear a conversation about Mr. Smith. Yeah. Can he talk? Does he go to Washington? I need to know. <laughs> Can you take him out of the plane? Does he dive? Is he glued to the seat? Is he just, like, one bad company? Can he do commando runs on yeah. his own? Does he also need to eat, like, sex pistols? I mean, I I have to imagine like I've I've been picturing Aerosmith as like a, a model plane mm-hmm. all this time just with real guns and bombs and shit. <laughs> so so I figure like Mr. Smith is painted and glued in place. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Very low detail. M- mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. even just one color until you do the painting yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> just that sort of gross tan color. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, as as Aerosmith is flying away from the meat, yeah, the tendrils catch up to it, wrap around it, snap one of the wings off, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and cause Narancha to just have blood spurt out of all of him, and he's just got like a huge <laughs> hole in like the base of his throat now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now it is time for Trish to run away and go hide. <laughs> yep, go hide in the uh, the closet or whatever. Mm-hmm. As she does that, like Notorious B.I.G. switches targets and starts chasing after her, and that's when Giorno goes, "Oh shit!" and he just starts punching really fast at the air. Yes, a one-armed punch rush. Yeah, he f- he's figured out how the stand works, at least tracking wise. It just goes after whatever th- whatever is moving the fastest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Punch rush being the fastest movement in the room. B.I.G. goes after him, latches on to his other arm. His, his remaining arm. And Giorno's plan now is... Yeah, it's a hell of a plan. He's punched through a window. So yep. now we do get a moment of like decompression in the cabin. Yep. And there's wind rushing out. And there's jagged, jagged glass. And so his plan is to press his arm down on the jagged plane window glass in order to sever his second arm in the same fight. Yep. <laughs> and... So his arm will just go flying out the window along with B.I.G. As this is, is happening, there's like a, a quick shot of like, uh, because of the decompression happening, like a knife, like a, a steak I knife mean, or something. A remarkably sharp knife for yeah. a plane. Yeah. They don't let you have these anymore. <laughs> no, but it just goes flying through the air and like lodges into the back of the seat that Trish is is pressed up against and like it barely misses her by mm-hmm. like an inch or two. It's very Sam Raimi, essentially. <laughs> yeah. And Bruno's just like, oh, fuck, Giorno, don't do that. If you don't have any arms, you can't heal any of us. And Giorno's <laughs> just like, 
but there, there, it's got to be done. There, there's yep. no time. And so much in the same way that Bruno was was punched through slowly and you yes. saw the fist come through, That that is how this uh, jagged window glass is working on, on Giorno's second arm. God, it's so nasty. Oh, it's so, so nasty. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he he did it. He did it. And as he collapses, one of his little ladybug uh, uh, medallions falls off of his coat with a little bit of gold experience sound effects that nobody notices. Mm-hmm. Nobody but me. Ah. Mm. So uh, yeah, Giorno Giovanna, the protagonist, is armless now. <laughs> yes. He has no armless, arms. Unconscious. Bruno is is just left alone in the plane cabin with Trish, beating himself up about how his his companion's injuries are unforgivably severe, and he blames himself for for taking the plane in the first place, and says, mm-hmm. "quote They can start recovering in the turtle." <laughs> yeah, so yeah. He he's gonna go place everybody in the turtle. He's gonna go tell Abakio what has happened. Yeah, yeah. What is Abakio gonna think? Like, uh, oh, hey, Bruno. Yeah, nice. Uh, they they got any of the like the meal trays back there? Uh, <laughs> we got a chicken or fish option. What's going on? Just finger bones. <laughs> okay, I'll chew on them. Fine. Yeah. For some reason, this uh, uh, hour and a half trip is taking two hours. Whatever. <laughs> uh, so now Trish gets to like talk to herself for a moment about her motivations and how like. Mm-hmm impressed she is by the lengths all of these insane children will go in a fight <laughs> and i yeah. like she she doesn't think she'll ever be able to fight a deadly battle for something as as something as ephemeral as, as honor or justice or anything yeah all all she's been wanting to do is you know stuff for herself here you know find out stuff about her her family the sun is setting at this point so it's like golden hour inside the plane uh, all the injured boys are waiting for health care with Mr. President. So uh, <laughs> yeah. hate to break it to you. You're going to be waiting a long time. Literally will never happen, dude. <laughs> so as she's just chilling out in the, this quiet, uh, uh, sad moment after, I mean, this sure doesn't feel like a win. I tell you that. Some motion catches her attention in the corner of her eye. Uh, in that knife that she is still sitting next to, this incredibly sharp, yep. polished knife, there is a reflection of a red ball rolling around on the wing of the plane. And she's like, what the fuck? What's going on outside on the wing of the plane? Oh, yep. shit. Oh, shit. By the way, the the decompression, the, the hole in the window was fixed by just taking a really big tray and just slapping it up against the hole. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Like a, a serving tray. <laughs> yeah, she gets up just like, what the fuck was that little ball on the wing? She grabs that knife. Yeah, and this part is just straight up a horror movie scene. I like this whole thing has been several different horror movies mashed together. There, there is a lot of the thing in this thing so far. Oh yeah, yeah. She she grabs that knife. She gets up, uh, walks further down the plane so she can get a better look at the wing, and it doesn't seem like there's anything on it. Few, just my imagination. She turns around away from the window, leans up against the wall just to take a breath and that's when we get our horror movie jump scare as meat slaps up against the window (laughs) (laughs) so so yeah it eventually comes through the window comes back into the cabin uh uh, it eats her knife she Uh has no knife anymore and from this point it grows a face of sorts kind of yeah 
there there is a a, a blue and white striped carapace that comes around. Uh, it's got sort of a a half mask. It's got you know your your like stoplight or bike reflector style eyes in yellow yep. this time, and it's just got chunks, got like cylindrical chunks that that try to discern this blob of of loose pustules mm-hmm. into something like oh that's an arm i can tell because it has a sleeve <laughs> yeah so trish is just watching in horror as this thing is like slowly you know forming into its its new shape here and she remembers what giorno said about this stand chasing after whatever is fastest she realizes oh shit a plane goes fast. This thing is just <laughs> chasing the plane through the air. <laughs> this thing can go as fast as a plane. So she she has to be absolutely still, the stillest she's ever been in her life, so it doesn't know she's there. But wait, what's that? There is something moving. It's attracted to something. There's a there's a throbbing, there's a pulsing. Jorno's ladybug medallion is alive. <gasps> ah, it's not only alive, it has a couple fingers coming out. <laughs> yep. It's slowly forming into a new arm or arms for Jorno. <laughs> and so B.I.G. is slowly crawling towards it, and she realizes, oh, fuck, if I want to save everyone's lives, I got to save this brooch. But I don't have a stand. What's a girl to do? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. So that brings us to Episodio 25, Spice Girl. Yep. Now Trish needs determination. <laughs> so yeah, we start off immediately where we left off. She's trying to figure out a plan and like gather, gather the courage to grab the brooch and not just hide herself, uh, which leads into the OP. And after that, so now she's thinking about uh, Extreme Rules, Red Light, Green Light, and how yep. it works. <laughs> so yeah, there's no way she could possibly grab this brooch and not get attacked in the process. And so she's tr- just trying to slowly back away into the closet to hide. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's when she bumps up against a seat with her hand brushing up against you know the, the controls for the chair. And she realizes, wait a minute, I could just push the button on this thing to make the chair recline and that might be enough motion to distract the stand briefly but then she talks herself out of it it's too much of a risk i i don't know i'm so vulnerable here oh but giorno's hand he needs that hand but i need to not die so she talks herself out of it and then does it anyway (laughs) yep (laughs) she freaks out it's like oh shit my body moved on its own so yeah the chair slowly starts reclining reclining big immediately flies at that chair and just punches the ever-loving shit out of it just (laughs) annihilates this chair and at that point she's like well i might as well try to save this embryonic hand (laughs) and so yeah that chair is getting pulverized she's making you know really slow small steps towards the brooch but She's surprised, shocked, uh, and frightened to find that Notorious B.I.G. has found her, no matter how careful she was, and grabbed her because it's attracted by the motion of liquids dripping down her leg. Yeah. And for a moment, you're left wondering, what's dripping down her leg? See, she brushed up against, like, in, in her motion, like, some drinks that were sitting out. 
Yeah. And so like iced tea or Coke or something brownish is running down her and that <laughs> dripping motion yeah. is the fastest thing around presently. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, yeah, one tendril is wrapping around her boot and it looks like she's done for because the, the meat just starts rushing towards her, about to grab her. She's regretting having any uh, uh, pretensions toward being an action hero. Quote, <laughs> I should have stayed out of this altogether. Help me, Bucciarati. I'm going to die. Yep. And as she starts falling backwards, her boot just kind of passes through her leg almost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now it is time to post feet. <laughs> God damn it. Yep. It's, <laughs> it's feet time. At least one foot. She She's just standing like sitting there in shock trying to figure out how her boot essentially just passed through her foot while notorious big is just kind of chewing on it it's a very squishy chewy boot yep while she's wondering what the hell just happened we see just as before she's left like a handprint into the chair she's grabbing onto that's like steaming and this is when we meet her stand spice girl as the title would suggest, she will introduce herself shortly, mm-hmm. uh, but we might as well just say, this is Spice Girl, and she's pink. She's very pink. Her stand looks like if he took the Transformer RC and turned <laughs> it into a stand. Yes, yes. <laughs> what do we got? We got uh, a leotard that is in a dark uh, sort of salmon pink with yellow crisscross patterns, mm-hmm. very graph paper like the the arithmetic sign motif that trish had goes even harder on the stand we got plus sign knee pads we got division and and plus signs uh uh running up the face over the head Mm -hmm. elbow pads everything i love the skirt that isn't really a skirt yeah it's just dangly plates hanging around the the lower portion of the leotard Mm mm-hmm Pretty unique eyes for a stand. It's not sharing too much, too many like similarities with other stands' eyes. It's uh, far more like anime feminine style eyes, but with mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. green pupils, yellow sclera. Is is this our first stand that is a lady? I I guess so. Cause I think like, so. Because like I'm thinking of previous stand users who were ladies, and their stands weren't embodied. Like Empress was a tumor. Uh, yeah. uh, we, we had the, the Miwant honeycomb gremlin, like mm-hmm. they weren't ladies. Yukako's stand you never see. It's just her hair. It's just her hair. Yeah, Cinderella yeah. is kind of a lady, but also. That's, okay. Um, yeah. Cinderella is the first stand with boobs. I take it back. <laughs> yeah. No legs. But they were though. weird robot boobs. I don't know. Yeah. They were cones. Spice Girl's kind of a robot. I don't know. Spice Girl's robotic too, but like a lot closer to like a lady mm-hmm. for sure. This could be a lady with a shit ton of armor on. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, Spice Girl is revealing herself. She is curled up in a little ball, kind of in the shadows between two seats Mm -hmm. on the floor. And she slowly begins to just float and rise while still in a ball. And she presents herself basically as Trisha's guardian angel. She's always been there, but now is the first time she's come out to, to be visible and to speak. And like... You know how in the beginning there was a whole lot of stuff where Jorna was like, what is a stand? Tell me. I must know. Tell me what, about stands. Yeah. Why didn't Gold Experience just talk to him? Because that's <laughs> all Spice Girl is going to do the rest of the episode. <laughs> yep. She's so helpful. Yeah. Th- this is an extremely helpful stand. Very convenient. Uh, she feels like, uh, I mean, there's some sim- similarities to 
Echoes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very much like Echoes Part 3, where like, ta-da-da-da, let's have a conversation. But yeah. where Koichi was like, tell me what you can do. And he's like, no. <laughs> Spice Girl does. She's very helpful. Yeah. Spice Girl comes off a lot more as like, like what Trish would be if she were far more confident and just a little cocky. Yes. Just yes. a little. Yeah, she Spice Girl's floating in the air and and telling Trish, "Hey, it was your special ability that allowed you to get that boot off your foot. And there's no time for anything else. You got to go pick up that brooch right now to save Jorno and the others and your future." Okay, so even if Spice Girl had no powers, she's a great motivational speaker. <laughs> I, I think that's uh, one of her abilities. I'm, I'm, <laughs> let me put it on the wiki. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's exactly what Trish does. She dives, grabs the brooch, leaps backward immediately, and uh, she turns another seat into squeaky soft vinyl. Uh, yep. ev- everything her ability works on starts to sound like Pesci's skin. <laughs> yeah. And so she falls through it. So what she can do is she can soften things, and she can also pass through things that she has softened. Yeah, they're they're so soft and, like, rubbery and elastic that they can just, like, part around her so she can pass through stuff. But other things cannot do that. Other things, including Notorious B.I.G. chasing her uh, uh, after attracting its attention in that whole, in, in that bit of action... So yeah. it just gets grabbed and enveloped and like fucking elasticed back and, and launched across the plane cabin. And, and Spice Girls just talk about like, okay, you know, your power makes things soft, but it's, uh, you're soft but strong, girl. That's basically what she's saying. <laughs> yeah, th- that which is softened is even more unbreakable than a diamond. Yeah. Uh, she like clenches her fist when she says this shit. She's cool. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And then she like just get just praises Trish a little bit. Like you're growing up so fast. Like you're becoming stronger <laughs> mentally and emotionally as a person. Is what she says. You should apply for that job, girl. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, so so Trish is is still not quite entirely convinced, right? Like. She is caught between two poles. Do yeah. I go and deliver uh, uh, Jorno's half a hand to him and save the day? Or do I go to the closet and hide? <laughs> yeah. She picks closet. Uh-huh. Because that's the direction away from this slug beast. And as she's running away like to the closet, Spice Girl's just like, don't go that way. Don't go there. Don't go into the closet. It's the 90s. We're done with the closet. Aren't you watching Ellen? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Aren't you watching all these shows that were given awards for being progressive? When you watch them in 10 years, they're, they're actually kind of shitty about this <laughs> stuff, but it's better than nothing. And that's the way progress works. It's a it's a process. It's continual. Yeah. This episode of Sex in the City sucks, but <laughs> it's the best we got. So yeah, Trish runs in the, into the closet, slams the door... She softens the door in the process, so, like, B.I.G. slams into the door. Mm-hmm. And so, and rather than shattering the door, it just sort of smooshes around it. But Notorious B.I.G. is so strong. It's mm-hmm. infinitely strong. Yep. And so it presses this tentacle farther and farther to try to find her in there. And the soft door essentially just... It wears it like a glove, and it's not <laughs> yeah. really stopping it from doing what it wants to do, which is undress Trish? What is this all about? Wait oh, a boy. minute. 
the the show gets horny yeah this one is a lot of horror movies put together and so that's that's in the mix i guess i guess i mean yeah as a reminder trish is wearing basically polnareff's top but smaller (laughs) so more boob can be shown yeah it's being held up by a single strap on the left side and so the tentacles just grabbing that strap and pulling on it pretty hard we're getting a lot of 15 year old cleavage today baby yep (laughs) anime and so yeah she's just sitting there terrified Her, her top getting yanked pretty hard by the weird tentacle thing uh, some meat is starting to come through the, just barely press through the edges of the door, and Spice Girl appears next to her and just like, I fucking told you not to go in here. <laughs> There's nothing in here that can help you. What are you thinking? Do not do this. Yeah. Uh, so it eventually breaks in, and you think all is lost, but all is not lost, because Spice Girl ha- has helped by squishing a clock, and as we all know, a soft clock never boils or something like that. <laughs> I'm not sure. But it keeps ticking, which is attracting, you know, uh, Notorious B.I.G., of course. And it's mm-hmm. like automatic stand puzzle. And so it's it keeps punching this clock that isn't hurt by punching. So it's, yeah. just, it's, just stuck. it's just stuck here until something moves faster than the sweep second hand on this clock. Yep. And by the way, the sound effect of B.I.G., like... B.I.G. is punching this rubbery clock that cannot be destroyed over and over. And the sound it makes is just like... <laughs> it's this really goofy, bouncy sound every time it punches it. It's and really like good. The, the instant like Trish thinks she's about to die, like the music just hard cuts. And like it, you just hear contextless that bouncy like boink noise. And that's when she looks over and just sees <laughs> B.I.G. like... Rendered harmless, just punching this thing over and over, and it's kind of cute almost. Spice Girl isn't just an A number one life coach. We really need to put a helpfulness stat in on on the stand oh, yeah. uh, uh, circle. It's it's the only one that gets an A S rank helpfulness, frankly. Mm-hmm. But she's also got the soul of a poet. Uh, it is time for, for, for Trish to, quote, move slower than a glacier in winter. Yep. Uh, and also, quote, time to pulverize this rotten piece of meat. I want to hear it scream. <laughs> yeah. Sort of a violent poetry, but I dig it. I dig it. Mm-hmm. So it takes a a pole, I guess. I guess this closet is partially a coat rack. Yeah. So it lifts the metal post out of, you know, the, the mountings upon which you, you might, you know, hang hangers for, for whatever. And mm-hmm. so it's using it as a, a baton, a rod, uh, in order to poke Notorious B.I.G. very, very slowly, but very, you know, firmly with, with great strength mm-hmm. until it dissolves into itty-bitty bits of goo that then float away on the wind. <laughs> yeah. Just squishes it to death. Yeah. And yeah, that that's... B.I.G. defeated there. And this is when Trish asks her stand, what's your name? What should I call you? And that's when, you know, her stand says, call me Spice Girl, or as it's translated, Spicy Lady. (laughs) Which I, Spicy Lady's pretty funny. I prefer Spice Girl, but Spicy Lady ain't bad for sure. So, so many of these, I mean, like we've just mentioned, they, they are made literal descriptions of what it does. 
like mm-hmm. like Zipper Man, like Notorious Chase. But Spicy Lady is a literal <laughs> description of who she is. Yeah. This is a spicy lady. <laughs> yeah. And Trish's, in the English dub, Trish's reaction to hearing her stand's name is Spicy Lady is, huh, weird, but in a good way. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so we get a little Spice Girl title card. Mm. And now, back in, in plane, Spice Girl is taking her turn to join all the boys in saying how special Giorno is. What a nice yes. special boy he is. Yeah. Yeah, Trish is looking at the brooch that she's still holding, and now there's four little wiggly fingers grown out of it. A little gross, honestly, but... That's Giorno. A little gross, honestly. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, she she's contemplating this in her hand, and also like, hey, I'm a fucking stand warrior now. That's something. How about mm-hmm. that? And and Bruno opens the door. He, he's finally come to, to check on her from the, the cockpit, and she's like, hey... I got a lot of shit to tell you. You missed a bunch, dude. And he says, shut the fuck up and move as slow as you possibly can. <laughs> and this is when Abakio just shouts, hey, we're losing altitude and I don't know why. Fast, too. They are dropping really like a rock hundreds yeah. of feet per second. You don't want that. It's bad. <laughs> Probably the worst thing that can happen to a plane, honestly. So this whole time, the the camera is following, like, Trish's point of view. We're always looking forward, 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 no matter what the shot is, until we finally see what Bruno is seeing. And it is that Notorious B.I.G. is the entire rear half of the plane now. Yeah, uh, it's turned into (laughs) the final boss of Resident Evil 2, where it's just a giant meat monster taking up, slowly uh, approaching you. Once Trish looks behind her and sees there's just a giant evil meat wall behind her, like only a foot or two behind her, uh, we see outside the plane and we see that meat is enveloping the entire plane. Yeah, yeah. So so when it got pulverized into dust, it's not the end. This thing is unkillable, unstoppable. And it, it sort of drifted to the engine and began eating the engine. And it got so, so much energy out mm-hmm. of a fucking jet engine that it grew so big and so powerful. It is a significant portion of a plane <laughs> now. Bruno is just trying to have Trish very slowly get to the cabin. And Trish goes, fuck that. And she runs really fast. Yeah. So Bruno is giving Abakio orders to like go for a water landing in the uh, Tyrrhenian Sea, which is the, the stretch of water between the Italian peninsula and the big islands to the west, including Sardinia, right? Mm-hmm. He basically said, put it in the water, but fancy like. He, he wanted us <laughs> to know he passed his geography exams. Yeah. Trish is, is like dashing forward, becoming neon green in the, in the, the act. Yep. Uh, very, very good color shift here. And she does her own punch rush oh my to God. the roof of the cockpit. And now we hear Spice Girl's uh, uh, battle cry. Not an Ora Ora, not a Vola Vola, but just the word wannabe. <laughs> yes, the Spice Girl song. Really wannabe. loud, really stretched out of all she can. Like... If we're going to do stand battle cries, if that's going to be a thing, it needs to be a couple short syllables you can say any number of times in a row. Yeah. You can't just stretch three syllables the length of a punch rush. <laughs> God, I love that it's wannabe, though. <laughs> it's really good. 
So everyone is shocked at uh, uh, this action, both because they don't know this plan, and also, since when the fuck does Trish have plans? What is this? What? Why isn't yeah. she just being, like, alternately cold and kind of upset with herself for being a jerk at us? What, what is this third <laughs> mood? Yeah. And so she starts to explain by saying, quote, this meatloaf from hell has a need for speed. God, this dub <laughs> is good sometimes. It's good sometimes. Yeah. So the plan is to karate chop her own goddamn plane off. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> see, see, we're going to cut the plane in two. And so uh, uh, B.I.G. is going to follow the faster half of the plane, which is the back half it's already on. And yep. the front half won't be so fast because the, the whole nose cone assembly, the whole front bit of the plane that's been detached has also been softened. So it's going to, to float out and become a parachute slowing their descent. Yep. Obviously, everyone <laughs> knows this. So, so yeah, Abakio and, and Bruno and Trish are just holding on to bits and bobs of the controls while uh, uh, one of them, I don't even know who's holding the turtle that's holding everybody else, but that is the situation. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the rest of the plane containing B.I.G. just like shrieks and screams as it falls into the water and explodes. And Trish shouts, eat it, bitch meat. <laughs> yeah. God, I love it. See, so yeah, Abakio and Bruno are like, oh, shit, this is extremely good cover for us. Everyone's going to think that we crashed into the sea and died. Yeah, yeah. He counts this as a huge win, and he is jazzed as hell to kill that boss. Yep. And then Bruno's just like, ah, fuck, there's still a chance you might die, though, because there's a little bit of meat stuck to Abakio's head and it's slowly forming into B.I.G. again. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. It is just an unstoppable, literally unkillable stand. So Bruno does a modification of Giorno's move earlier. He does mm -hmm. a punch rush to get what remains of B.I.G. on him. And instead of chopping his arm off, he's acting like he's just going to jump out of the plane and fucking die. Yes, yes. Because, I mean, it didn't work for Giorno before. This is the only way to be sure to fight this thing all the way down to the mm -hmm. bottom of the ocean. Well, the Mediterranean. But you take what you can get. And as he's about to do, to do that, Trich is just like, hey, no one else is going to fucking die today. So she cuts off Bruno's arm and everyone's like, hey, hey, what the fuck? What the fuck, yeah. though? <laughs> yeah. And she's just like, it's fine. I got Giorno's hand right here. And yeah, in her hand is Giorno's hand throbbing. It's gross. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's got all five fingers, but it doesn't have a palm. It's still the medallion for a palm. Yep. And as B.I.G., along with Bruno's ar severed arm, fall down into the, the sea. She, you know, she gives her own arrivederci. And this is when the narrator mm -hmm. informs us that Notorious B.I.G. is a stand that is literally impossible to kill. It will live for all eternity. But it has become a sea monster. <laughs> yes, it's become a cryptid. Because, <laughs> because of the way it tracks things, all it can do is endlessly track the waves of the sea it's trapped in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and and also scream. every once in a while every once in a while if a boat comes by this part of the sea that is traveling faster than the spray coming off of the waves that boat is fucking dead and yep. torn to pieces and goes straight to the bottom yeah you see an illustration of this happening and like big is taking the form of like a kraken essentially <laughs> and is like grabbing dudes with his tentacles and stuff it's great so in kind of a part four move 
uh, a stand battle has made a new cryptid. Yes, yes. <laughs> this is really what I'm talking about when I say that Golden Wind is, uh, uh, you know, Stardust Crusaders 2 from the creator of Diamond is Unbreakable. This is very much best of both worlds, like uh, a fucking chocolate in my peanut butter shit version <laughs> of that right here. Okay, so they essentially made two new stories for Unsolved Mysteries because mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. other the other story that lives on in infamy uh, in this region of the world is the mysterious plane crash that was never explained. Yeah, yeah. Someone <laughs> stole a plane, crashed it. Nobody knows why or where they went. Yep. Uh, so, so on Sardinia, the whole gang is posing together, and now Trish is in the cuddle pile. She's not yep. off to the side or in the turtle while everybody stands around holding each other's hands in a weird chain that, like, you know that game at, like, a summer camp or something where everybody puts their uh-huh. hands in the middle and you make a big human knot and you got to yep. untangle it? They're halfway through that <laughs> is what yeah. this pose is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Trish is like an official member of the group now. She can fight. Mm-hmm, Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. But now the camera moves over to uh, a hotel. Yes, where the boss is cyber-stalking his daughter. <laughs> yep. He's got a little monologue about how, you know, family's hard these days. Mm-hmm. Like, if this whole problem involved a stranger, this would be a lot easier. But when it's about when you got to deal with family, it gets a lot messier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's like monologuing about how he wants to stay at the top of all of humanity and all this. Uh, but to do that, he's got to get rid of his own flesh and blood. He's going through a whole bunch of photos he's got on his laptop that I just love is... Its color matches the color of his suit he wears. And his desktop is so clean. And his folders are all so organized. Everything is by date. And, Mm -hmm. oh, it's perfect. It's pristine is what it is. But it turns out everything we've described to you is a lie because this is not a hotel. Mm -hmm. This is Trish's old apartment where she lived a week ago. Yes, yeah. And this is not the boss's laptop that he's looking up Trish on. It's her computer that he's he's peeping on. Yep. Damn, Trish has got an organized computer life. Hell yeah. <laughs> that's how to do she it. She really should apply for that job. Her stand is right. Yeah. I mean, that's one way to cyberstalk somebody. Not their profile, but their actual fucking computer, their own personal files. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's he's discovered that every day... Every day, Trish would look at this particular picture of her mother from before she was born, before Trish herself was born, that is. She does not have a sonogram of her mother. (laughs) Yeah. So he prints out this picture while King Crimson shatters the laptop so nobody else can access this file. Yeah. He also knows everything that happened in the last two episodes. He, he can feel through this blood tie that Spice Girl is fully awake and, and out mm-hmm. and chatty. Uh, uh, and also <laughs> knows that like well, oh, when the news is talking about a plane crash off the coast of Sardinia, they're coming here. They're coming for me. Absolutely. He knows what's what. Yep. And so his plan is to kill Abacchio. He must destroy Abacchio Leone. Yep. Because because his stand, because Moody Blues could absolutely undo everything. Yep. If, if they find this picture, or if Trish even remembers it clearly enough, they can go to the spot it was taken, and they could probably guess that he, as a young man before the boss was the boss, was the photographer. Yep. And they can <laughs> just rewind... And have Moody Blues take on the appearance of the boss. 
they they can get the boss's face from that. They can fast forward Moody Blues 15, 16 years and just mm-hmm. find him wherever he is from that. Yup. And so the boss decides literally no one else can take on this job. I have to do this myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and as he makes that decision, he looks behind looks behind him uh, as he hears the uh, the door being opened by a cleaning lady. Yes, yes. There there is a cleaning service in this apartment building. Cool. Good for you. Nice. That's why, like, th- this maid was shown in an establishing shot. That's why you immediately think hotel. Yeah. And as she takes a step into the the dimly, you know, the the dark room, it's not lit up by anything. She, you know, just apologizes and says, you know, sorry, I, I have to come in to clean. And then, boop, there's a time, you know, a, a quick time skip. And the entire room has been cleaned mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and is now fully lit. And the boss is gone. So that brings us to Episodio 26, A Little Story from the Past, Tilda, My Name is Dopio Tilda. <laughs> it's so fancy. It's fancy. Are people going to ask if my, like, display name in a few places is a JoJo reference now? <laughs> I wonder. When I say my name is Grant, do people think I'm talking about Dopio? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Let's see, there's yeah. Dopio, Grumpio, Sneezio, Dokio. <laughs> Man, eventually at some point, there's going to be a group of JoJo villains that are named like that. We already got a guy just named Meat. Yep. And that's basically all he was. Yeah. So so the OP comes immediately. No, no recap, no cold open, just into hell no. Yep. And then the narrator also grabs the reins right from the top to set the scene. It's flashback time, baby. This is a this is a historical episode. Mm-hmm. It's the summer of 1965. On a dark and stormy night. At a prison. A, a remote women's prison where prisoner 696 is giving birth. She's had no visitors. There, there are no, like, uh, uh, male staff. Everyone is very confused, especially since apparently she wasn't even showing until, yeah. like, labor time. Here it comes. Yep, yep. Warrens are asking her, like, hey, who's the father? And she says, he's dead. He died two years ago. They don't believe her, to be fair. They do not believe yeah. her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the, the Japanese dub at least this warden's uh, disbelief is translated to barnacles growing on a pizza is more believable than that so so this overbaked baby yet somehow underbaked because like wh- where did it fit in there lady where are you keeping it <laughs> yeah uh, uh is a little pink guy he's a, he's a little pink yep. guy and he's born with his eyes open yeah he's a fucking toddler by now i don't know mm-hmm. and and he never cried during the whole delivery process that's a that's a strange baby you got there yep uh and the, the, they ask this lady well like where do you want him because he can't stay here uh uh so she comes from a little village in sardinia and the the local priest there adopts this baby and raises him as his own. And this baby grows up into a little pink boy who is a friend to all frogs. <laughs> this this young man, this like teenager, is like uh, uh, hanging out on the street, making sure a frog doesn't get run over. And he finds this young lady with very swoopy hair. Oh yeah, behind her shoulders. Who has similar taste in amphibians, though she cannot stomach a bug. And boys who smell bad. She does not like the smelly boys. And anything that isn't beautiful. She's got a lot of dislikes. She 
<laughs> she loves beautiful things. She, she loves French mineral water. She wears a skirt that has a slit up to the waistband. This is obviously Trish's mom. Like, they could mm-hmm. not make it clearer. Yep. We're just getting small snips of this guy's life. Like, the, the very next scene is him declaring to his adopted priest father, his father father, uh, mm-hmm. uh, his intent to become a sailor. And then priest dad is like, yes, yes, you shall be a very fine sailor, my boy. And then he's driving in a truck and he looks down like the, the this cliffside road to see uh, uh, his, his son and this girl having a picnic and thinks, hmm, he needs a car. So I'm going to build a garage like we are really just hitting the highlights of this life story. here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so in order to build that garage, uh, the priest is taking a pickaxe to the floor of this room, like to break There's it up. There's no like contractor that can do this. Like, right? did, you got to write your sermon. Who Who's taking confession in this town? <laughs> yeah. It is a sinless town. There's plenty of time for DIY projects. Yep. And so, yeah, he's smashing up the floor with his pickaxe and he sees that there's something underneath the floor where he's broken it up. And he's like, what the fuck is this? And so he starts pulling away debris and rock and he finds a human hand. Yeah, yeah. And so he starts to poke the corpse with a pickaxe, I think. Don't do that. That's not nice. That's gross. But but no, he's just using it to very carefully like carve a line to get a bigger window. And this is not a corpse. This is a paralyzed yet alive, if barely alive, woman under the stone floor. It's prisoner 696. And her mouth is sewn shut. <laughs> this is a stealth, uh, thus spoke Rohan Kashibe a story yep. squeezed in the middle of my JoJo's. Mm-hmm. And as the priest discovers that there's a living fucking woman who's been underneath his floor for who knows how long, his son, his adopted son, appears behind him with a smile on his face and a big fucking knife. Hard cut to the narrator telling us about the massive fire that destroyed this whole village. Yes. There are seven dead and an unknown but rather large number of people missing, never seen again, including the priest and pink boy here. Anyways, it's back to the present day. <laughs> back to the present day in, in Olbia, Sardinia. Again, an actual village along the Emerald Coast, Costa Smeralda, the most expensive place to live in all of Europe. <laughs> <laughs> and there is a, a little child trying to catch a bug. Olbia was an ally to Carthage during the First Punic War. Oh, huh, okay. How about that? So, so yeah, th- this kid is like looking at a bug and uh, it looks like he's going to get run over by a truck. So so Pink Boy tries to save him and the kid's like, hey, asshole, I'm not going to be hit by a truck. He just gets up and walks away while our hero is much closer to getting hit by the truck. But he like grabs a lamppost and yanks himself back and the truck driver yells at him for being a putz. He's having mm-hmm. a bad day. <laughs> And as he's like kind of dusting himself off and all this, there's a fortune teller in an alley like right next to where this is happening. Also, he does notice that his briefcase did get smashed apart and, and a yeah. lot, all of its contents destroyed by that truck. Uh, so, yeah, the, the I'm going to say fortune teller and you're mm-hmm. going to form a picture in your mind. You are correct. Yep. He looks exactly like that. <laughs> It it is a man with like pointy uh, uh, mustache that that like 
turns down toward the chin on both sides, black robes, some something turban-esque going on for his head, uh, uh, poking mm-hmm. out underneath the top of that, that robe lifted up above it all. He gets our hero uh, uh, to introduce himself. His name is Dapio, as the title would suggest, Vinegar Dapio. Mm-hmm. Did you know that vinegar is uh, Italian for vinegar? Whoa. But <laughs> uh, his English voice uh, uh, is Balgo in Burn the Witch recently, uh, Shinichi Kudo in a lot of Detective Conan dubs, oh, wow, and okay. Ak- Akira Fido in Devilman Crybaby. Oh, okay. Uh, while his Japanese voice is uh, Tanaka, uh, a.k.a. Skull Mask in Odd Taxi, uh, mm. Lane Aim in Gundam Hathaway, as promised, three of the four biggest roles in Gundam Hathaway uh, do ha- share Japanese voices with part five characters. Mm. It would be four for four, but there's no fucking women in this part. There's just yeah, one. There's just the one. The next part fixes that, thankfully, but... <laughs> We backslid. We, there was yep. more women with more variety every single part until, like, we're back to part two levels. Oh, of, yeah. Of ladies. Yeah, Lisa, Lisa, and that's it. But but yes, the, the Japanese voice for Dapio here also has an entire section in his Wikipedia page labeled Boys Love CDs. Oh, all right. Everybody else seems to get those lumped in with drama CDs as a whole, but uh, apparently he's in enough that they had to demarcate them. Mm. Uh, so let's talk about the look of this guy, because he's he's changed clothes into his regular look now that we're back to the present. Yeah. Uh, I guess we should mention he looks barely older, like maybe a couple years when it's been mm-hmm. 15 years. <laughs> yeah. So yes, Dopio, he's got freckles. You don't see that often in AMA, I guess. But yes, pink hair. He's got multiple part lines in his hair. <laughs> his his part line zigs back and forth. He's got the, the one long uh, uh, squiggly hair flop coming over the side of his forehead. So like the front of his haircut is very cockyween. Yes. But the back of his haircut is a woven ponytail that, that like ends out in big fringes that looks like an upside-down pineapple. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, very bright pink hair. Yellow eyes. He's got brown eyes, except when he's got green eyes. Uh, Did you know that Dopio is Italian for double? Whoa. What the? (laughs) Yeah, he's wearing, like, this purple, like, turtleneck shirt that's got a little slit diagonally kind of going across his chest. Mm-hmm, got some mm-hmm. midriff going on. The peck window in his sweater kind of looks like he got a punch from Sticky Fingers, but instead yes. of being like edged by zipper teeth, it's edged by well cable knitting for a sweater. And then like yeah, he's got some midriff, but the very bottom of his shirt, like on each side, has like a big cut into it to show more exposed flesh, which just kind of makes it look like he could grab them there, like their handles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kind of normal pants. I get, well, okay, they split at the bottom. They have golden studs at the bottom, so maybe not normal. Yeah, yeah, and triangles of golden studs, like, sort of like the the uh, back of Star Platinum's hands, honestly. Yeah. Uh, over each hip pocket and one in the butt. He, yep. If he sits down, it looks very uncomfortable. Uh-huh. But the fortune teller is immediately trying to do his fortune teller shit, go like, Ooh, you're from, you're a tourist. <laughs> I figured it out. And Dopio's not impressed. It's like, well, yeah, you can tell by looking at me. I'm holding a fucking briefcase and shit. And then the fortune teller's like, you live with a secret. 
uh, like light and dark, front and back, you could say that you have two lives. Mm. Uh, and because of that secret and your natural unwillingness to give up, uh, you're always victorious. And when he says that, we get a very brief close-up of Dopio's eyes, which suddenly change from his brown eyes into very tiny green eyes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then back. And this this still isn't totally enticing him. So the fortune teller is like, ah, you're looking for someone. You're looking for a very special someone close to you. And he's like, everyone is. You cannot cold read me. Everyone <laughs> wants to find love or, or companionship or something in this world. You, you, no, no, you're not Mm-mm. getting my money. Yeah. So, so then the fortune teller is like, okay, okay. Oh, you think I'm just one of those chumps? Let me tell you, that splash of mud on your pants, you're looking for your own estranged daughter. She's 15 years old. I'm so confident about this, even though you look like you're, what, 18 years old? <laughs> yep. Uh, and Dopio's still just like, huh? <laughs> and the fortune teller's like, wait, but you're so young looking. That doesn't, this doesn't make sense. And the fortune teller is so interested in Dopio. He's like, you gotta fucking show me your palm. Please, I'll pay you to tell you your fortune. You're such a weirdo. Just like for my own professional satisfaction, I must read the fortune of this impossible man. And then, and then, <laughs> the boss starts to come out. <laughs> yep. Dopio's eyes eyes go in opposite directions his eyes like his eyes are into like a black void and then a different set of eyes like shunk in and they're the ones with really small green pupils with these little yellow triangles kind of like darting into them halfway and it's full on the boss like uh, it's the same voice obviously but it's the same like disposition and and like the way he uses language that we've seen from you mm-hmm. know when the boss first appeared and even that brief scene when he was uh, uh breaking his daughter's things god this guy sucks actually yeah uh, <laughs> but like it's stronger in the the dub script than the subtitles but when they yeah. wrote the boss like just the character voice is so strong mm-hmm and so Dopio slash the boss here grabs the fortune teller first by the mouth, like by his open mouth and then by the neck, lifts him up and slams him up against this alley wall. And Dopio gets fucking ripped. He has a full physical transformation. Like this, this isn't just a dual personality. This is an actual Jekyll and Hyde situation. Yeah. It's something that doesn't often come up in adaptations because in adaptations you cast one guy, but Jekyll and Hyde have totally different frames. They were different mm-hmm. ages. Like Yeah. <laughs> we're going back to the source here with this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like I, I do enjoy that part where like in Dr. Jekyll's notes, he's like, Yeah, when I turn into the other guy, he's like really small i think it's because (laughs) i haven't been i haven't been indulging my evil side very Mm. long and so that thread gets picked up and it's why in league of extraordinary gentlemen which is set a number of years after the novel uh that hide is fucking huge because he's been indulged a lot over the time in between (laughs) Mm -hmm. i haven't seen the movie of of adaptation of that in good a oh, long oh time. you have seen it at one point. That's too bad. I have seen it at, yeah. <laughs> but I was like whatever age I was when the movie came out, so I remember liking it back then, but I'm pretty sure it's bad actually. 
Uh, if you want to read them, I have the first couple volumes on the shelf. I stopped collecting them physically because, right. like, I don't. It didn't wrap up until last year. In the end, oh god, but it's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a little interested. But yes, Dopio is huge now. Just like a level of ripped we haven't seen since like part two or maybe three. Honestly, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. huge, gigantic rippling muscles and and gigantic arms. That's why uh, there's holes in that sweater. It's it's expansion <laughs> zones. Yeah. Of course, he's got to kill this fortune teller. But first, we got to make use of this fortune teller. He must know where to find the traitor Risotto Nero. Yes, it's been a while. But yes, there is still one member of the assassin team still about. So yeah, the fortune teller gives out a little fortune so that uh, the boss can can figure out where Risotto may be. And eventually... The boss like lets go of him, so he actually is back on the ground. Fortune teller is just obsessed with his palm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. like drooling <laughs> over it, literally. Like he has been driven to a joyful sort of madness. This this mm-hmm. is Senator uh, Wilson Phillips all over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly what this is. And yeah, like looking at his palm, saying like, "Oh shit, yeah, my predictions are correct." You know, light and dark, front and back. As long as this secret is never discovered, the death of others will make you happy and you will always be victorious. Rubbing the palm over his face. And then in a moment, he's like, wait a minute. This isn't the palm I was looking at a second ago. What happened here? Oh, it's my palm. <laughs> yep. Nuts. His arm's been cut off and put in his other hand. And then he dies. Yeah, King Crimson just punches him extremely hard and blood just splatters the entire alleyway. His skull is liquefied. Yeah, this dude is pulped. And as that dude gets, uh, you know, just utterly murdered to hell and back, uh, that little kid trying to catch the bug from before saw all of that happen. Sidopio sees this witness and he approaches and he's so happy to know that the little bug that the kid was chasing is okay. Made it out of everything just fine. Whew, I was worried about that bug. Yep. And the kid is just like falls to the ground in utter terror. And then time time skips and uh, Dopio's gone. Uh, the corpse in the alley is gone. All the blood has been cleaned up. It's like it never happened. So, so now Dopio has to flag a taxi over to the Emerald Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, cause he's got a mission. He's, he's here for a reason. He's got a job from the boss to fulfill. Meanwhile, Risotto is also in town. He's near a cafe that has the news on and he's watching coverage of that ongoing investigation <laughs> and, uh, somebody stole a plane and crashed it. What the fuck? What the fuck? Uh, and that brings us to our mid episode title card. It is again, the, the route that the boys have been following from the train crash to present. Mm-hmm. So from just outside Rome to Rome, all the Venice stuff, and now Sardinia. Yeah. And so now uh, we're following the taxi that Dopio has gotten in. Uh, and Dopio's asking the driver, like, hey, do you have a cell phone I could use? Mine's broken. The uh, the establishing shot, the very first thing you see after the title card is, I will say, rough. Yeah, yeah, that shot don't look too good. There's a lot of use of like a, a reference photo that gets passed through filters or rotoscoped or something, and it's usually fine. It looks cool. Like it, it's a, a way to mm-hmm. make buildings in the distance just feel right for the show. But when it's applied to these like white rock cliff faces, it It'll looks look like ass. Yeah, it and it's the briefest shot. It's just a handful of frames before they cut inside the car, and as they move by, when there's motion, not a big deal. It's fine. 
Yep. Yeah. When it's just that full frame shot, it's very clearly a real life photo run through multiple filters in Photoshop or something. It does not look blech, good. Blech, blech. It's like posterize and and live trace and some other shit. Yeah. Yeah. The driver does not have a cell phone that Dopio can use. So whatever. He does have a cat lady dangling from his yes. rearview mirror. He's very got this prominent. Adorable cat lady figure. Yep. Yeah. Dopio has the the taxi pull over to the side of the road because they've reached the destination and Dopio pulls out this manila folder that has the photo that the boss uh, printed out last episode of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of his wife from, you know, however however many years ago. Uh, and Dopio says, that looks like the right spot. All I got to do is guard it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he doesn't know why he has to guard it. <laughs> so now Dopio is, is getting out. It's time to pay the meter. And he's pretty sure that the meter charge is, oh, I don't know, 10 times higher than it should be. There's an extra digit in there that oughtn't be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the driver's like, you saying I'm a scam artist? Huh? Huh? You, you're mm-hmm. accusing me? I'm just trying to make a living here, sir. Uh, and anyway, I know you're good for it. I saw you slip an envelope in your pants. I'm, sh- I'm sure that that is all the cash you, you tourist folks need. Did you know that the cheapest room in the resort down there is 450 euro a night? You're good for it. <laughs> yeah. I think the amount that he's, he's trying to charge is like 800,000 lira or something. I forget how much money that actually is, but. Uh, too much. It's too much. Lot. So he reaches for this envelope that is not the cash he uh, uh, surmises, but again, that very important uh, plot-critical photograph. Mm. And so he gets a finger behind his eyeball. Behind his eyeball. Yes. Oh, it's so awful looking. Yeah, he turns into the boss and jabs his finger. And is like, he. okay, he is down to at least the first knuckle of his finger behind this dude's eyeball, basically just, threatening, like, I could just, you know, use some leverage to just pop it right out. The slightest little twitch, it'll pop on out of there, yeah. Oh, God. But he is saved by the bell. You know how bells ring? Like phones mm-hmm. do. Yes, he's saved by the sound of a phone ringing that is very clearly a man in, <laughs> like, imitating the sound of a phone ringing. Yes. This is the most obvious mouth noises phone I've heard in my life. Where is it? But Dopio's like, huh? I need to pay way more attention to this than you. We'll, we're fine. Don't sweat it. Yep. And yeah, Dopio just keeps going like, where the fuck is that coming from? Eventually gets up to the taxi and looks at the little dangling cat lady figure in, in the front seat. And he goes like, it's this thing that's ringing. Gotta answer it. You said you didn't have a phone. What's this? You, oh, you minx, you. So he, yeah, he tears off the the little, like, car toy and starts talking into this, like, little dangly figurine. It's like very human proportion cat lady, like not big head or anything. It's just like. So yeah, Dopio's answered the phone. Of sorts. Of sorts. Uh, and he is seemingly talking to the boss through this. This whole segment, we've hit uh, uh, the like fever dream logic of a stand <laughs> fight without a stand fight. Neither stands yep. nor fights are happening right now. Yep. He's just talking to this figure and eventually the taxi driver just gets up 
grabs all of Dopio's shit, throws it out of the car, and he just speeds away. Because this is not worth the trouble. He's gone. And the conversation is about giving reprieve for the driver. The, the boss that lives in his brain assures him he didn't see anything. It's, it's going to be fine. Yep. But you are being seen. Risotto is in the hills watching you. And he's like, wait, really? Oh, fuck. Yeah, there he is. Ah, oh, god damn it. Yep. Uh, and like while he's having the conversation with the boss, like when when the boss tells him like, hey, fucking Risotto is out there watching you right now. It's not just through the imaginary phone conversation, like only one of his eyes turns into the boss's eye. And that's like <laughs> how he starts talking to him. Yeah. Risotto is right there, not looking at Dopio, just looking at uh, the, the Emerald Coast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the plane crash told him that Sardinia is important, but somehow he just guessed that this particular part of Sardinia is important. Risotto, he's good. He's very good at his job. And the boss is is warning Dopio, like, this guy works for me, or did, but even I don't know what Mm -hmm. this dude's stand powers are. It is a complete mystery to me. So your mission, which you must accept, there is no choice here. It's the mafia. Uh, Mm. Your mission is to get uh, within two meters of him, and then I'll take care of the rest. The idea, of course, that like the boss will pop out, and at that distance, nothing can stand up against King Crimson. It's it's a a done deal, all over but the the punching. Mm -hmm. So all all he's got to do is get close, Uh, and then he hangs up. And takes a moment to try to remember his orders because yeah. his brain ain't all there. Nope, it ain't. Uh, but I love the way uh, the boss hangs up. Uh, uh, his his sign off is to call Dopio Mikado. Uh, mm-hmm. He calls uh, the clumsy little goober that he shares a body with, my dear. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh boy, oh boy. So Dopio walks over to his stuff that was thrown out of the car, including, you know, the manila folder with the the photo sticking out of it. And as he goes to pick up his briefcase, Risotto is right there looming over him. Yeah, he doesn't doesn't have to remember his orders. Risotto did them for him. Yep. And Risotto's doing a hell of a pose. He's got both of his arms up, back over his head, showing off his pits to the world. Uh, (laughs) And Dopio's just like, "Uh uh-oh, who are you? And as he, like, takes a step forward, suddenly there's a a pocket knife planted into the ground right in front of his foot that makes him fall over and smash his nose on the rock that Risotto was just standing on. And he gets a hell of a nosebleed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Like, he doesn't... He he busts his face wide open on this rock. And so Risotto is like, ah, you are not from the mafia because no one in (laughs) Passione could possibly be this much of a schmuck. Yep. He's just talking to himself out loud, just going like, I don't know, this guy like looks truly afraid right now. The Japanese subs are at least, he's more vulnerable to attack than a baby is. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he walks forward very confidently to, to get his knife back. But then at the last moment, he remembers that, that a photo got hidden mid pratfall. This dude somehow had the presence of mind and control of his ridiculous, clumsy flailing to, to pull off a move like that. Maybe, maybe there's something more to this weirdo. Like the whole time Risotto is approaching, uh, Dopio is kind of wildly switching between him and the boss, just on and off over and over and so his eyes are just darting every which way and like when this happens 
he just gets a really bad headache. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Risotto orders Dopio to stand up and, and like reveal what's underneath his foot. What are, what are you hiding in, in all this? And so he picks up his foot and reveals a totally empty envelope because the picture has adhered to the sole of his shoe through the liberal application of that <laughs> wonder drug, blood. Love that blood. Rizzo is just like, okay, doesn't seem like you're, you're lying to me there, but now I know that you're a stand user because you just glanced toward a sound that I also just heard that only stand users should hear. Mm-hmm. It's Little Bomber. Who's, who's now scoping out this area as as the, the crew continues forward on their quest. Everyone is converging together. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay, you are terrified of me right now, but you can sense stands. You are a big walking contradiction. There is something really fucking weird about you. Uh, so yes, Dopio ain't got no rights. So he uh, uh, charges forward in order to fulfill his mission. But the fact that he is charging forward tells Risotto all he needs to know to win, which is that this guy is the big, punchy, close-up kind of stand user. Yep. And as Dopio is running forward and, and Risotto is just saying, okay, your range is probably two to three meters. Dopio stops in his tracks, clasps his throat and vomits about 300 razor blades. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> a lot. And now we're using blood as, I guess, lubricant. So, so they can expel uh, uh, from his body more cleanly, I, I suppose. But this doesn't stop him. He's like, I got, I got orders. The boss believes in me. I, I need to, to make him proud. So he keeps charging forward. And that's when a whole fucking grandma sewing kit worth of, of needles and pins start um, like bursting through his face from below. <laughs> this fight is so hyper violent. <laughs> and it hasn't even really started. Yeah, the the saving grace is just that, you know, okay, sure, a shitload of pins and needles just ripped out of this dude's face, but his skin is still intact. Mostly. We're not gonna, mostly. We're not going to see all the exposed muscle and shit. It's just a lot of blood, thankfully. It's just really fucked up and gross to just consider, what if a bunch of razor blades were in your throat and you puked them up? Like, what a nightmare. Oh, so Dopio is getting really close. <laughs> he's lunging forward. He's big haymaker swings that Risotto is dodging all of. But, I mean, he did do his job. He's he's in punching range. He, yeah. he followed his orders, at least until the point where uh, Risotto just falls off the cliff down to the beach below. <laughs> yep. Like, with his arms crossed, not bothered, he's doing fine. Mm-hmm. And so then Dopio just stops in his tracks and starts making... Uh, yep, yep. Th- this he- is when you discover <laughs> who was making those mouth noises. Dopio, of course. You just watch him. D- he looks like he's doing, like, uh, bird calls or something while he yeah. makes his little phone noise. Mm-hmm. And he looks around for where where is this other phone? You know, uh, uh, the taxi man took his. What what? Oh, there's a payphone right here. Who would have put one up on this this curve in the road? That's strange. He says as he reaches between a couple rocks and grabs a large bullfrog the size <laughs> of his face. He, and so he answers the frog phone. Yep. <laughs> Yet more frog mischief. 
We're or never going to leave Frog Mischief behind. If dogs stop dying permanently in JoJo, I'm pretty sure Frog Mischief will just continue to happen. We can just be <laughs> on the show. Uh, so, yeah, he's talking to the boss who's like telling him what's what. Like, hey, Dopio, you could have done better, but I know you got this. You just got to track that guy down and get close. Have mm-hmm. you forgotten? Have you forgotten your special ability? Your unique talents? The boss reminds Dopio as King Crimson's second face, his forehead face, appears upon Dopio's forehead. Mm-hmm. It, this episode ends with the boss just saying, hey, dude, it's time to use that power. And we end with a cliffhanger of Dopio with, yeah, King Crimson's smaller forehead face on his forehead. Dopio looking utterly befuddled and stupefied as he holds a frog up to his bloody face. <laughs> That's going to get infected. You don't know yep. where that frog's been. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really a bad idea to rub frogs on your wounds. Uh, I, I mean, unless you're Giorno. He knows what he's doing. He's a he's mm-hmm. an expert here. God, so that is an eventful three episodes. I mean, oh, yeah. we've, we've learned so much about the boss. Trish has finally gotten true spotlight instead of just like adding color to the margins of, of the yep. group. Brand, brand new stand. A new, like, bound-to-be-central character in Dopio, though he doesn't have a stand, or I guess he's got a timeshare of a stand. <laughs> yes, yeah. And not our first look, but a, a, a clearer look at what Risotto's whole deal is. Like, yep. this is something that I expected to happen in JoJo's more, especially in the early parts, mm-hmm. that, like, we would get to hype up of villains by having them face off against one another and yeah. so then we really know just how fucked our heroes are when they get there right yeah so that risotto can make an aspect of the boss who's just this unstoppable powerhouse of death even the the weird like nebbish part of the boss being able to just stymie him without a thought is something yeah something that really builds him up to be like oh damn they better watch out for risotto (laughs) yeah all three of these episodes are great i'm i really love trish finally getting in on the action and stuff and like hey if anybody listening to this or watching this or or whatever really likes that bit with trish you will really like part six because it's a lot of that (laughs) and it's rad a lot of stands becoming life coaches okay maybe not that part a lot of (laughs) a lot of girls doing cool shit is part Mm -hmm, six mm -hmm. basically uh and it's rad to the point where sometimes I feel that Trish may have been inspiration for some of the attitude and behaviors of the protagonist and some of the supporting cast of Part 6, even. Trish has always, of Part 5 characters, felt the most like a real person. Like yeah. she, she has... Uh, an array of moods and which one she's in uh, colors how she interacts with any given situation at hand while all of the Passione boys are so dedicated to everything that they are so single-minded at all times it's just like sometimes they're hungry and that's the only other vibe (laughs) they follow (laughs) yeah yeah but like Trish is going through a lot, and sometimes she she sits and mopes about it, and sometimes she picks herself up and doesn't let Bruno hold her hand, and then holds his hand. And that's the realest fucking shit of any character in part five to me. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And and now to to be like, okay, it is time for Trish to be the star is so nice. It's so good. It's one episode among 26. God damn it. But it's so good that it happens at least. Yeah. We're going to talk about it like that Sex and the City episode. All right. (laughs) Yeah. I like Spice Girl. I'm happy that there's just a stand called Spice Girl. I like the ability to. It's one of those Mm -hmm. abilities that is very simple, but feels like you could probably end up doing a lot with. Yeah, yeah. It it really does feel like a writing challenge. Like, okay, what do I put up against this unstoppable force? The most movable objects. <laughs> yeah. How, how's that go? Yeah. Like, I'm immediately thinking, man, Spice Girl's power would be a great way to, like, slingshot people and things. Mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. make something soft and pull on it real hard and just let him go flying. Like, yeah, put her in a Giorno role, like the the weird out of left field assist that makes everybody's more direct attack powers do something yep. even they couldn't have thought of, right? Yeah. She would be great for that. I'm going to guess it doesn't come up that way a lot. Mm-hmm. And the the only stand so far that is a real unique personality and like you said a foil for trish this this is trish's most self-actualized self yeah that that is living in her stand and directly talking to her uh Mm. which which is a really fun dynamic like uh uh that that's not what act three was act three was a friend to koichi uh, (laughs) a, a different kind of foil but i don't think act three was koichi's best self no. Koichi with Act 3 was Koichi's best self. <laughs> yeah. Act 3 for Koichi is like, when, when, a, when a person who is generally very nice has fantasies about going ape shit. Yes. Or just being yes. rude and wish and just wishing like, man, I wish for a day I could just be an asshole to everybody because I'm cranky today. And That's he's such a nice boy. Even that idea of himself spells <laughs> the swear words. He doesn't actually yeah. say <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, you just want to have a bit of attitude and you're never allowed to. <laughs> no, no, I didn't say the word for real. I said biatch. I stretched it out. It's different. I said fudge. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> the episode that reveals the, the whole Jekyll and Hyde thing with Dopio and the boss. Mm-hmm. I love, I've been excited for this episode because it's a bit of a wild one with all the weird phone shit and picking up the frog. Hell yes. Hell and- yes. I think this... <laughs> Uh, this might be the first scene that I've shown Elena on the couch. Like, okay, <laughs> let me tell you what happens. Like, And she's like, and this is what the show's like? Yeah, this is kind of what the show's like. And so then I had to actually, like, okay, let me, let me scrub through to the end. You don't want to see the puking up of razor blades. You don't want that. But okay, yeah. frog phone. You got to see frog phone. <laughs> oh, frog phone. But like, yeah, what what did this show set up in the second episode? The best place to hide is inside a guy. Yes. It's what the boss has been doing all along. Yeah. You can't find him because he's not there. He's inside a guy. <laughs> it's definitely a much more fun reveal than just being, he's, he was a guy. Like when mm-hmm, I was first mm-hmm. watching this part, I kept thinking, okay, they haven't been focusing on... Jorno's family lineage for a while i kept just thinking are they is the boss just gonna step out of the shadows and it's just gonna be dio again mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know 
I mean, and part of it is what I was talking about with the dub script. The boss doesn't sound like Dio. The boss doesn't talk no. like the boss doesn't think like Dio. The Mm-mm. boss thinks a little like Dio. They are both megalomaniacs who who want to control the entire world and and view their <laughs> manipulation of time as a realm in which they are God. Okay, yeah. there's similarities, but they are not the same man. Oh yeah, <laughs> very different. For one, the boss is a lot more cautious than Dio is generally. Like, yes. Dio only became cautious because he was traumatized that his boyfriend ki- almost killed the shit out of him like twice. <laughs> <laughs> if you remind me of my boyfriend brother, I might be cautious. Yeah. If you're his son, I'm going to be a little cautious. But everything else, eh. Yeah. Obviously... This puts a lot of things into new light, a lot Mm. of ideas about what this means for part five as a whole and where it's going in the future. But those, I think, are the sorts of ideas that are better served from a a, a more bird's eye view, uh, sort of a retrospective, sort of the thing we do with guests. Yeah. And that is what is coming at you next week. I'm very excited. As mentioned, we're, we're uh, going to have a st- the stuffedest episode ever. Two <laughs> guests at once. Because that's just the way that uh, uh, this rolls. We're going we're gonna to file in to Olive Garden. There's going to be a whole lot of people at a table. And you're going to have to meet <laughs> them all at the same time. Yep. Yeah. Anyways, next week we will see you with uh, a little recap of this last chunk with our two new guests Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we'll see you next week to be continued